for great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts. The TNT Shop is now open at tntradio.live. This is the Misty Winston Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, hey there, and welcome to the Misty Winston Show right here on today's News Talk. Thank you for tuning in to hang out with me. Uh, we have a great show. My pal David D'Amato is going to be here. He has a fantastic article out um, uh, regarding the case of Julian Assange and the unbelievably dire implications that uh, that case has over uh, the future of free speech and press freedom. Obviously something we talk about a lot here on the show, so I'm very excited to have him here. We'll be bringing him in uh, momentarily. Really quickly, I just wanted to give you another reminder um, about Randy Credico's fundraiser for the billboard trucks for Julian Assange. Um, If you don't know who Randy Credico is, he's amazing. He's a comedian, he's an activist, he's a radio host, he's been hosting the show Assange Countdown to Freedom for, I think, six years. I want to say six years. Um, uh, He's had literally anybody who's everybody who has anything to do with that case on that show, um, including the late, great John Pilger, uh, I think was probably the most prolific guest there. Um, But Randy is trying to, he's done this effort in Washington, D.C. several times. Um, Last year, he did it for like months on end, uh, where he hires those big billboard trucks to drive around and uh, just call attention to what's going on. He wants to do that in New York as well. He's trying to raise money for at least two trucks. Um, So if you could go to AssangeCountdownToFreedom.com backslash billboard. Um, That is where you can donate. Um, He is trying really hard to raise money for at least two trucks. So if you have anything uh, to spare and you feel so inclined to donate to that, um, I know that he would be greatly appreciative. And frankly, anybody who cares about press freedom would be greatly appreciative. If you cannot donate, please don't uh, put yourself in a a financial predicament just to donate to that. But even just sharing the link for that so that we can get more eyes on it so that he can raise that money, that would be incredibly helpful. So uh, I would appreciate that if you could do that on all your social medias or uh, whatever the case may be. So also, um, I just wanted to call attention to, okay, terrible information I'm about to give you, but uh, the alleged Vault 7 whistleblower, Joshua Schulte, has been sentenced today to 40 years in prison. So um, he is the whistleblower who, if you're you're unfamiliar about what Vault 7 is, holy cow, do you need to familiarize yourself with Vault 7. It is the largest CIA leak in history, um, and the stuff contained in Vault 7 will (laughs) infuriate you, blow your mind, terrify you, all of those things at one time. Uh, Vault 7 is... Uh, it's really something. So it was published by WikiLeaks, obviously, in March of 2017. Joshua Schulte is the alleged whistleblower. I guess we can stop saying alleged now. He's been convicted of it, uh, despite the fact that it's very... Um they don't have a lot. They don't have a whole lot of um, uh, evidence for this, but um, he has been convicted uh, and sentenced today um, uh, to 40 years in prison. Um, I would also, if you want to learn more about Joshua Schulte and what he's facing, um, John Kiriakou, who is another CIA whistleblower, wrote a fantastic piece in Sheer Post in uh, June 15th of 2022, um, and it's called A Whistleblower's Agony. Um, So I would highly recommend anybody go to check that out. It's kind of a background. Also, WikiLeaks um, has a backgrounder uh, thing up on their Twitter page as well. Um, I think a bunch of people have been tweeting about it. If you just look it up, uh, his last name is um, S H U L T E Schulte, Joshua Schulte. So if you want to go, and I wish I had more time to dive into the entirety of the situation, he has been uh, been held. Um, he's been detained for more than six years um, in really horrific conditions um, under special administrative measures. If you're unfamiliar with what special administrative measures is, it's essentially torture. You are um, very limited on um, uh, any visitors. You're very limited on um 
uh, everything, uh, your access to the library, your access to phone calls, your access to um, all of the things. It is a really terrible situation uh, that he is being held under. In fact, he addressed the court today himself. Um, and he said, uh, I'll just quote a little bit of it here. He said, quote, I have been tortured worse than any other prisoner in the Western Hemisphere. I have no access to the library. Instead of 300 monthly phone minutes, I'm given 30. I'm restricted in mail. The FBI sees as much of it. I have no access to religious... Uh, I'm sorry. And by the way, I'm reading from a thread here from Inner City Press. Go check this out for yourself. Uh, he, uh, Matthew Russell Lee has been doing a great job of covering this uh, from the courtroom uh, from the jump. Um, I think he skipped a little piece here, but he also, uh, Joshua Schulte continues, the U.S. federal government tortures me with 24-7 white noise and solitary confinement. The window is blacked out. When I'm offered access to the law library, I have to urinate and defecate on the floor. I am left there for nine hours. Um, uh, I was left with sewage. I have been locked in my torture cage with rodent excrement. Ice accumulates near the window. I wash my clothes in my toilet. I'm forced to eat with my bare hands like an animal. They look down on you like you are not human. We are shown off like a zoo. Um, and he continues, I just wanted to read uh, a little bit there about the, the circumstances that he has been held under. This has been going on for a very long time. He's been held um, under special administrative measures, again, essentially torture for six years now. So um, mostly in solitary confinement, again, visitations limited, phone calls limited, access to the law library library limited access to his lawyers limited you name it um he has been uh really treated rather poorly so um he has been sentenced to 40 years now um i just wanted to bring you an update on that i wish i had more time to do like a deep dive i might put together i might see if i can get somebody to come on uh to really maybe john kiriaku or somebody to do a deep dive into this case so that uh we can talk about that more in depth i think vault seven was one of the i think frankly vault seven was the tipping point i think uh, the United States government, and in particular the CIA, was okay with letting Julian Assange just chill in the Ecuadorian embassy until Vault 7. I think Vault 7 was the tipping point. I think that that threw Mike Pompeo into uh, a tantrum and he went on a personal vendetta to uh, destroy Julian Assange. So, um, and again, please go read Vault 7. You need to read it for yourself. It is uh, the stuff that's uh, contained in those leaks is horrifying. So um, just wanted to bring you that update. Uh, please go and check that out yourself. Uh, inform yourself about what's going on there. It's a terrible situation. Okay, don't forget, you can follow me over on the tweeters at Sarcasm Stardust. Check out the Substack. It's mistywinston.substack.com. There's a write-up for the guest every day uh, so that you can find, follow, and support their work as well, including links to all of their stuff. It's very easy. Uh, and then also, if you would like, shoot me an email, mistywinston at tntradio.live. Guest idea, show idea, rant, question, whatever, hit me up. Um, and by the way, don't miss out on a thing. Be sure to download the TNT app. App. That's how I listen. I listen on the app. I carry it around in my pocket while I'm, you know, doing boring stuff like dishes and laundry. Oh, terrible laundry. I hate laundry. Um, uh, but you can download it either from the Apple App Store or Google Play uh, so that you can listen live anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download for free so you can keep up to speed right here on today's News Talk. Delivering the facts. Source I can trust. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. TNT. Oh, boy, this is quite the story. On Wednesday, the Biden administration announced that White House advisor John Podesta, John Podesta, remember him, uh, will replace John Kerry as President Joe Biden's climate czar. Man, do I have some things to say about this one. Uh, so here with the story, joining me now is TNT News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. So John Podesta is out of hiding, huh? He's taking over for John Kerry. Is that what I'm getting? Yes. Is anyone else getting hungry for pizza? Uh, just kidding. <laughs> um, sorry. <laughs> Out with the old and in with the ew. 
Uh, We're swapping one creepy John for another creepy John. It's true. You can't make this world up, Misty. Uh, Infamous Clinton acolyte John Podesta, that's right, has been picked by President Biden to fill the role of the international climate change representative for the White House. One of the most important jobs on the planet, some might argue, not me. Uh, According to reports, not only will Podesta take on the position of presidential envoy for climate, formerly held by the other creepy John, this one, John Kerry. Uh, He will also remain as the senior advisor to the president for clean energy innovation and implementation. He's going to pull double duty, Misty, if you can believe this. Uh, White House Chief of Staff Jeff Zients told NBC News, quote, we need to keep meeting the gravity of this moment, and there is no one better than John Podesta to make sure we do. John has and will continue to be at the helm of driving the implementation of the most significant climate law in history, end quote. I don't think I want to be a part of that personally. Um, Podesta was chief of staff to President Bill Clinton, a counselor to President Obama. And of course, in case you missed it, he was also the chairman of Hillary Clinton's failed 2016 presidential campaign. And that's when things got interesting. The uh, 75-year-old, at least he's younger uh, than the one that's leaving because um, John Kerry's 80. Uh, but John Podesta, 75 years old, he became a household name <laughs> for various reasons, but uh, mostly when his emails were leaked during the election cycle. Uh, emails revealed all sorts of fun stuff, depending on who you talk to. Uh, but troubling realities such as Hillary Clinton admitting she had, quote, both a public and private position, end quote, on policies, and that she was given advanced knowledge of debate questions by an employee at CNN. Uh, Podesta, who also has a lovely, creepy brother by the name of Tony, by the way, uh, joined the U.S. delegation to the U.N. Climate Change Conference in both 2022 and 2023 as the White House's senior advisor to the president for clean energy innovation and implementation. The new climate policy representative does not often give public statements and even has an ex uh, boycott. Um, not having posted on the platform since August of 2022. His last post was, however, to celebrate investments in, quote unquote, clean energy and, quote, and, end quote, climate. Sorry. Uh, Let's see. So the politician broke his uh, boycott, I guess. Here's what he wrote, uh, quote, breaking my Twitter boycott to celebrate Senate passage of IRA and its massive investments in clean energy and climate, end quote. Um, As I mentioned, Podesta replaces the former Vice President Kerry, who was named by Biden in 2021, I mean 2020, to this newly invented role, the climate czar thing. Uh, Kerry said at that time, quote, America will soon have a government that treats the climate crisis as the urgent national security threat it is, end quote. Uh, Chief of Staff Zients said, quote, Kerry has Sorry, says that Kerry has, quote, tirelessly trekked around the world, end quote, to fight the climate crisis. That's according to The Guardian. Uh, The 80-year-old Kerry, I was right, uh, is expected to shift his support toward President Biden's 2024 re-election campaign. Uh, Good on you, John Kerry. Uh, What do you think about this, Misty? And did you want to fill in some of the gaps about what I mean when I keep calling the Podestas creepy? Uh, well, they're creepy. (laughs) That's a a very accurate, probably not even a strong enough word. So for those of you who don't know who John Podesta is, 
Oh boy. I don't, we don't even have enough time. We don't have enough time to go into how creepy John Podesta is. So he is obviously, uh, he, uh, was the, at the helm of the <laughs> ridiculous Hillary Clinton campaign in 2015, 2016. WikiLeaks revealed, uh, quite a bit of information about him, uh, and that campaign. Obviously, I think that that, uh, has been made abundantly clear that that was an incredibly corrupt campaign that they, uh, not only were they, uh, uh doing everything that they could to hamstring Bernie Sanders and his, uh, attempt to, um, challenge her but also they were in the pot or i should say the media was in the pocket of the clinton campaign in fact glenn thrush uh who is I use the term journalist incredibly loosely here, but he's a journalist who um, uh, very famously sent them an article in advance and said, listen, I realize this makes me a hack, but if you want to read this and give me any feedback or notes or whatever before I publish it, just let me know. And he's just one of many. There was also a whole host of uh, journalists, dozens of journalists who were listed, who um, were attending off the record dinner, dinner parties with people like Neera Tandon and John Podesta and that whole crew. So um, yeah, the, it, WikiLeaks did a great job of explaining exposing Hillary Clinton, John Podesta, and that whole crew. But um, from those leaks came the conspiracy theory of Pizzagate and the, uh, you know, with the Epstein stuff and everything, which frankly, I think that the entire Pizzagate situation was really a red herring. I think that that, um, you know, the, uh, I think it was called ping pong pizza or something like that. Um, I think that that was all a red herring. I think that they were attempting to make the story um, kind of seem ridiculous so that it would become a third rail issue and people wouldn't want to address it so that they wouldn't be labeled a conspiracy theorist or a kook or crazy or whatever. Um, but the idea that there is a global child sex trafficking ring that implicates people in very high levels, uh, very high levels of power is really indisputable at this point that we know that that is taking place. I mean, we have the Jeffrey Epstein situation. And despite the fact that we don't have a client list, we know that people like Prince Andrew and Bill Clinton um, and a whole host of Hollywood stars and all kinds of other people were involved in that scenario. So it is really just indisputable at this point. Um, and John Podesta was very much uh, in those circles. So, and he's, him and his brother are both fans of very disturbing artwork. It's a whole thing. I mean, we could honestly talk about this for the entire ad uh, hour, Adam. Uh, these two guys are, again, creepy is just not a strong enough word. But what do you think about this? I mean, surely this is fine that John Podesta's jumping back into the the inner circles here, right? Well, I mean, I, I, I feel comfortable that creeps like this are just traveling all over the world. And we don't even technically know what they're doing, but they're doing it on our dime. Technically, they're getting paid by the American taxpayers last time I checked. So, yay. Uh, I don't feel so hot about that personally because yeah. I don't know what they're doing. I, I mean, are they out there? I mean, when we send Joe Biden across the world, normally we think, OK, the worst that's going to happen is he's going to sniff a kid. When we send someone like John Podesta I'm afraid he might do a little bit more than just sniff the kid, if you know what I mean. Uh, so, yeah, I'm glad you brought up all those things. Yes, that's uh, in some some certain households. He's better known for the Pizzagate thing than the uh, the other stuff. But I agree with you that the, the Pizzagate was kind of blown out of proportion. It serves such a beautiful, beautiful, like, oh, yeah, anytime somebody wants to bring up real evidence of anything, oh, you sound like one of those crazy Pizzagate conspiracy theorists. And it's 100 percent true about the creepy artwork stuff. You can look this up. They don't hide this. Uh, look up Tony Podesta artwork. Just Google that and have a good time. Make sure your safe search is on, people. I'm warning you. Um, we'll just leave it at that, Misty. Yeah, and make sure there are no small children sitting around you um, who could potentially look over your shoulder at the things that you will be seeing because, uh, I mean, I don't do trigger warnings, but trigger warning, it's gross and creepy and um, disturbing. And those, again, are not strong enough words. So, yeah, these two guys, John and Tony Podesta, are um, uh, 
I mean, the worst of the worst, in my opinion. These are some of the worst swamp monsters. John Podesta has been in the political sphere for a very long time doing really disgusting things. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that the Pizzagate thing was all nothing more than a red herring to kind of make the topic of conversation um, uh, a little bit less likely to be discussed because people didn't want to be sneered at or looked at as a conspiracy theorist when, in fact, we know <laughs> that that is taking place. Uh, it's really, again, indisputable. Anybody trying to dispute the fact that there is a global child sex trafficking ring taking place, uh, probably still to this day, that implicates people in positions of power is delusional. That is happening. No, There's just no doubt. You cannot deny it at this point. So uh, definitely go check out uh, the WikiLeaks releases. They released John Podesta's emails as well as the Hillary Clinton stuff, the campaign stuff just in general. Um, you'll learn a lot about John Podesta through those, but also um, I would recommend looking into just John Podesta in general and his history and uh, all of the creepy shenanigans that he gets up to because uh, that's your new climate czar, y'all. Yay, USA. Okay, uh, thanks for bringing us this story, Adam. We will talk to you again tomorrow. As always, hang tight. We're going to be right back here on today's News Talk. TNT's Steve Malsberg. If a president could be prosecuted for things he did, which he believed and was advised by his lawyers what, what was, was the duty of the president to do, and then after the fact, after he's president, he could be prosecuted, the example has come up today many times. Well, when Joe Biden leaves office, he could be prosecuted for not securing the border. Barack Obama um, okayed drone strikes against American citizens overseas. He could be prosecuted for murder. I mean, this opens up a whole can of worms. Um, Pandora's box, I think, is the term that, uh, that Trump used. Steve Malzberg on today's News Talk TNT. Hi, I'm Susan Lucci. I never thought about heart disease until I had my own heart event. At first, like so many other women out there, I ignored my symptoms. A slight pressure on my chest, shortness of breath. I thought, I don't have time to be sick. I had a 90% blockage in my main artery and a 75% blockage in the adjacent artery. I received two stents in my arteries, stents developed through research funded by the American Heart Association. Those stents saved my life. I'm so grateful to the American Heart Association. Their research helped save my life. I can enjoy life with my children, my grandchildren, and my friends. Please, listen to your heart. The only reason I'm here today is because I did. Learn more about the American Heart Association's life-saving work at helpheart.org. Today's News Talk Radio. I do a lot of streaming radio. I do a lot of free streaming. TNTradio.live. All right. I'm very excited. Our guest today is my pal, David Estimato. Uh, he's an attorney, a regular opinion contributor at The Hill, an expert policy advisor to the Future of Freedom Foundation and the Heartland Institute. Uh, his writing has appeared in numerous publications. Uh, throw a dart at a list. He's probably been in it, uh, including Forbes, Newsweek, The American Spectator, The Daily Caller, Counterpunch, and many others. Um, and he actually has a new piece out at Counterpunch uh, called There's No Free Press Without a Free Assange. And a truer statement I don't think I've ever heard. So we're going to be diving into that today. David, thanks so much for being here. It's a pleasure to be back with you. Thanks for having me. 
Yeah, of course. You know, you're one of my favorite people to talk to. And obviously, this Likewise. is a subject uh, This is a subject that I'm uh, clearly very passionate about. And um, so your piece out at Counterpunch, which was uh, published on January 18th, everybody go check it out, counterpunch.org. Um, and I'm really glad that, uh, well, I enjoyed the whole article, but there's a couple of things just from the jump. Uh, the comparison to Debs, obviously, Eugene yeah. Debs. And then also, I love that you brought up the, the 2010 uh, TED Talk, because that, I think, is such a fascinating glimpse um, right. at the political environment of the time because there was Julian Assange in a room full of liberals getting right. a standing ovation and then absolutely now 2024 it's quite the opposite uh so uh, what what prompted you to uh to write this article well you know of course as we've discussed other you know many times before the um Julian Assange's case is near and dear to my heart because obviously you know, as you know, that as the headline sets out, we can't have um, a free society or uh, open communication about um, what the people who call themselves our governments are doing in the world without uh, a free press. And so Assange's case is the most important of our lifetime. He is a journalist and a publisher who has worked with all of the most important legacy newspapers uh, in the world, but yet he is the person who's been singled out for um, for torture and uh, and actually in murder, you know, plans for murder uh, and kidnapping. You know, one of the things I in Misty, you you tweeted about this the other day, people talking about how um, Donald Trump was somehow counter establishment or something um but of course you and i both know that um under trump's uh administration mike pompeo and his henchmen plotted to kidnap and murder julian assange and we know this um so it's interesting obviously that you know trump is rearing his head again and uh pretending to be uh drain the swamp culture counter establishment um, figure. We know better, of course, but it's not just Trump. You know, this goes to um, this goes as far back as to, you know, when the beginning of, of WikiLeaks and um, what they were able to expose. And there's obviously a personal vendetta against Julian Assange and, um, running for years. So, yeah, this is an important case. I mean, you know, as I, I, I think my main concern in the in the article was to try to draw a historical connection between people like Eugene Depp for people who may not be as dialed in as as we are like to try to draw this connection between over a hundred years ago during World War one people having a very similar already you know before the technology that made WikiLeaks possible and a figure like Assange possible, somebody like Debs was already dialed into, okay, like we have a narrative that's being pushed by Washington to get us into um, a war that's going to cost, you know, massive amounts of American and, and foreign lives um, for no, for no good reason. And Debs was, you know, really dialed into this and spoke from the heart passionately to and you know other anti-war people to Amer to his fellow americans and um was 
prosecuted for espionage, which, you know, as I said in the piece, everybody knows, everybody who's listening to this, everybody who's an observer in 2024 knows that Julian Assange is not a spy and has never engaged in espionage. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we all know that. Yeah. Same thing with Debs. He was, you know, as with Eugene Debs, he was a a labor activist, a peace activist, a friend of his fellow Americans and his fellow workers and human beings. Um, and same with Assange. He's a person who's interested in getting the truth, connecting the truth with the people. You know, I think he described years ago, he described WikiLeaks as the uh, intelligence agency for the people. I mean, we mm -hmm. everything that the United States government has accused Julian Assange of, they're projecting. You know, they've accused him of spying. He's never done that. That's what they've done. And they've yes. accused him of putting lives in, uh, you know, in imminent danger. He's never done that. That's what they've done. They've put mm -hmm. lives in danger. He's talked about it. So I think, you know, that's where folks like us, like we, we would, we just want to make sure that people just like us and just like Debs and Assange out in the country know that, you know, what our government has said about these conflicts is not exactly true. And, you know, like another thing is they've, They've talked about going consistently. The government, the United States government, during the Assange case, has talked about going through the proper channels. But what do our? <laughs> but what do people? What happens to people when they do go through the proper? In this country, we prosecute journalists. Yes. We prosecute whistleblowers. Yes. We torture these people. So yes. you compare that to who has spied? The United States government has spied on us and successive military and intelligence leaders have gotten in front of Congress and lied about that. Have they been, have they been held to account? Who has been held to account for perjury in front of Congress, our, our representatives? Who's been held to account for wars with no declaration of war? How, how many wars have we fought in the past 70 years with no declaration of war? I mean, I don't know the number. It's been a lot. Yeah, it's a <laughs> and, lot. Yeah, how many people, how many CIA directors and NSA directors have lied to Congress with no all of you them? Know, all of <laughs> really? them, right? And all they've of got, them. you know, successive <laughs> leaders have gone in front of our representatives and under oath and lied. That's a crime. Lying yep. under oath is a crime. We know that they perjured themselves. Who's been held to account? So they're pointing the finger Not at a people one of like them. Assange. Right. Yeah, not Nobody. a one of them. And that's what's so frustrating about this whole situation. And there's uh, so much to unpack in everything you just said. And it's what has been uh, one of the most frustrating things to me um, about the proper channels comment that I get all the time. First of all, Assange has no proper channels. The proper channels right. as a journalist is, hey, I've been given information that's within the public interest that I can verify to be accurate and true. I'm going to publish it. That is in the only proper channels that he is held in, to. Yes. And yes. all the newspapers have signed on to it. And they've yes. written an open letter saying, Yes. Don't prosecute this person. This is a journalist. What are you doing? That that's New York Times. That's Washington Post. You know, Washington Alpais, Post. Le Monde. Al Pais. Yeah. yeah. All, all right. Of them. All the major European ones. All the major uh, American papers. Um, it, it's only you know, and it's because he has personally embarrassed them. I mean, as to my yes. earlier point, you know, during the Trump years, and this is what it's so it's super annoying to hear Trump kind of like position oh. himself as a counter-establishment 
figure. Like during the Trump years, Mike Pompeo, again, and his henchmen were plotting to kidnap and murder Julian Assange because they were personally embarrassed by the the vault seven leaks that were the biggest cia leaks in in history and they couldn't deal with it mike pompeo didn't like that very much at all uh and we have to take a quick break and get headlines but we talked about that a little bit at the top of the show uh because uh joshua schulte who is the alleged vault seven whistleblower uh was just sentenced today to 40 years in prison and uh, yeah mike pompeo he took that personally and he He then launched a vendetta against julian assange because he he was embarrassed by that Yes. And uh, we'll, let, we got we got to take a quick break and get headlines. But let's dive deeper into that, because I think that that is uh, a really significant piece of this whole situation. So hang tight. We'll be right back here on today's News Talk. We do have some big news. Listen up. Now, TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. On January 31st, the Biden administration officially identified the perpetrators behind the drone attack on a U.S. military base in Jordan, which resulted in the deaths of three U.S. Army reservists. On January 29th, the Georgia House of Representatives approved House Bill 881, a measure focused on reinstating a supervisory board with the authority to discipline or even remove county prosecutors who were deemed to have engaged in misconduct. House Speaker Mike Johnson condemned the Chinese Communist Party's human rights violations. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT radio. All right. We're here with David D'Amato. We're talking about Julian Assange and the unbelievably ridiculous, insane, dangerous case that case. I use that term very loosely. They don't have a case if we're being honest about it. Uh, They do not. It is embarrassing that it has gone this far. Uh, They genuinely do not. And the only little sliver of a case that they had completely imploded when the guy that gave them the testimony against Julian Assange came forward and said, hey, I'm a big fat liar. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, it's it's nuts that this is continuing. But we were just talking about the um, uh, the way that Vault 7, because in my opinion, and I said this briefly at the top of the show when we were talking about the sentencing of Joshua Schulte, um, in my opinion, that really was the tipping point. I think that pr- prior to that, they were, they really wanted Julian Assange. They've always wanted Julian Assange. He's not, I mean, he's certainly not their favorite person on planet Earth. But I think that uh, up until Vault 7, they were willing to kind of let him ride it out at the Ecuadorian embassy, at least uh, temporarily for, you know, who knows how long. But I think right. that once Vault 7 was released, which by the way, can we we just talk about the unbelievable balls that it takes to be Julian Assange. You're already years into um, uh, illegal and arbitrary detention in the Ecuadorian embassy. Yes, you already know that you are public enemy number one of the world's largest empire, some very dangerous people, and you publish Vault 7. (laughs) Right. The biggest, as I mentioned earlier, the biggest leak in CIA history. Yeah, I mean, I think that just shows like, you know, going back to our, you know, our, our discussion of his comments at the TED Talk in 2010, Julian Assange is a journalist and a true believer and an activist. He's not trying to spy or put people's lives in danger. He's trying to connect people with the information we need to hold people democratically accountable. And the only person, you know, he's one of the only people who's been held accountable when we've had, again, successive generations of wars without a declaration. So like, again, to the proper channels point, 
Well, where are our proper channels? Because our elected officials don't even vote on the wars anymore. We've known that for, again, decades. Like, when was the last time we had a declaration of war? So we've had successive wars all over the world without any declaration. And it's Julian Assange who's being tortured. So I'm happy to see for sure, like, you know, elected officials in his native Australia, elected officials finally in our country from both parties who are, who, you know, speaking of having the guts, um, are finally willing to say, you're using an over 100 year old espionage law where everybody knows that this isn't a spy or anybody who's ever engaged in espionage. It's a journalist and an activist, somebody concerned with the truth and connecting our population here in the U.S. and the rest of the world with information about what our governments are doing in our name. Murders beyond, you know, people, people are talking about, again, people are talking about Assange putting people's lives in danger. It's insane to talk out of the other side of your mouth about, Right. People putting somebody's <laughs> lives in danger when you've been responsible for millions of deaths in a, right? in a system of, you know, a system of neo-colonial oppression and empire, which is what our government is engaged in. So, yeah, I mean, clearly CIA was hugely embarrassed by um, what happened in whenever that was 2017, I guess. Yeah. Um, and they wanted very much to see you know, Mike Pompeo wanted to see Assange dead. He's still alive. He will be alive. He'll be free. And uh, it's... I hope so, yes. Yeah, he And will. Mike and Pompeo needs to face. be in prison. Can we get Mike Pompeo in prison, please? This guy Mike is an Pompeo absolute scourge on humanity. Prison. He is one of the worst... And the tweet that you were talking about, that's another thing I wanted to touch on that you uh, that you brought up there at the top, was that um, I it's this is so frustrating for me because I have Trump... Uh, supporting friends. I have people that of support course. Trump. I have people that voted for Trump. I, I'm friends with uh, lots of different people from right. all different walks and ideologies. I have no issue with that. None. Same. Zero. Same. However, can you just be real about who Donald Trump is? Because right. he's not who you're pretending that he is. And, uh, you know, I one of the tweets that I put out was, Trump, I'm going to drain the swamp. Trump, hires the absolute worst of the swamp monsters swamp right. monsters do horrific things trump supporters it's not his fault well whose fault is it this guy like we're gonna drain the swamp and then the second he was elected he immediately started filling his cabinet like he dug under the swamp and found right. the likes of bill barr and mike possible. pence mike pompeo no, Jeff I mean, sessions he, nikki haley mad dog mattis right. i mean really this is all the biggest Republican donors. Like I, to be honest, I forget who it was. There was somebody, uh, some, some journalist on Twitter within the past week who made a, this point. Now find it and I'll link to it. But you know, somebody was making the point, which I agree with. Of you know, Trump obviously campaigned on drain the swamp and being counter-establishment. Every this the big story, the salient story, if we cared, would be that every Republican donor, once they started to see that he could win congressional elections and was the president, all the big Republican donors started to dump money in into Trump. And yep. yeah, and he and he rewarded them once he got an office. So I think if anything, the big story would be the kind of like less sexy one of he ended up kind of just like every other Republican. And yes. 
Yes. And really, he's always been. And I think that the the um, the only difference uh, between like a Trump and a Biden is that Joe Biden has a 50 year history in politics showing us exactly who he is being owned and operated right. by the system. And Trump, in that sense, was an outsider. He wasn't in politics, per se. He was just it a businessman for him. To yeah, make up it, some narratives certainly. And... But he's not an outsider. I mean, he even he said it out loud uh, on the debate stage. I've uh, I bought you. I bought you. You I paid you to do me favors. He's been entrenched in the system just in a different way. And being uh, a part of the political machine, uh, you know, implicitly. So I think that that's, and it's so frustrating to me that um, uh, Trump supporters, there was uh, somebody tried to compare, I talked about this, I think on the show, somebody tried to compare Donald Trump to Julian Assange and boy, there's no quicker way to get me angry. Uh, This is the same guy who had him arrested. Yes. Julian Assange was arrested under Donald J. Trump. There were plots mm-hmm. to either kidnap or assassinate him at the highest levels of the Trump administration. Um, he was spied on. Uh, the UC Global case took place under Donald J. Trump, and then Trump failed to pardon him when he had the opportunity to do so. So please don't come to me and tell me that Trump's going to free Assange. He had the opportunity. He could have not had him arrested in the first place. So Trump's not your guy. He's not my guy. I mean, if you want, are willing to look past that, that's a you thing, not a me thing. But just I, it just drives me nuts that people um, are uh, so um, almost allergic to those facts. And almost every time when a Trump supporter gets into my mentions trying to pull that crap and I bring them the actual truth and the facts, I get they just block me. Uh, it's like yeah. they don't want to hear the cognitive dissonance is just too much for them. So, OK, listen, we got to take another quick yeah. break. Hang tight. We're going to be back, back here on today's News Talk. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. Last week, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that Texas must take down the razor wire fences they put up along their border to keep illegals out of the state of Texas. Listen to this exchange from Fox's Peter Ducey and John Kirby, National Security Council spokesman. Why are you guys making it easier for people to enter the country illegally? I don't believe we are. Why do you think we are? Well, you guys sued to cut razor wire that was put in place by Texas officials. So that the Border Patrol could actually do their jobs, but keep going. The Border Patrol Union president is saying the Supreme Court's decision is going to undoubtedly encourage more illegal immigration. Do you guys know better than the Border Patrol Union? Good question, but listen carefully to the answer from Kirby. The Border Patrol needed access, and that's why we sued to get rid of that uh, razor wire so that they could do their jobs. Does razor wire work? Does razor wire work for what? Does it work for the Border Patrol to allow them to have the access they need to be able to uh, to better process people that are uh, trying to get across the border? I don't think so, and that's why we asked for it to be removed. So Kirby does not deny that the razor wire fences work, but he says it has to come down so border agents could do their job, which is processing the illegals. But the wire fences keep them out insane. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. Around here, bushfire is just a part of life. We've been through it before, and we'll get through it again. The people here all look out for each other. We're a community that does its bit to plan and prepare to keep everyone safe. We live with bushfire, so we live bushfire ready. This is the Misty Winston Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
All right. We are here joined by David D'Amato, who has a fantastic new article out at uh, counterpunch.org uh, regarding the case of Julian Assange and the very obvious implications that this case has over the future of not just free press, but in my opinion, free speech in general. Um, and it's very frustrating to watch people struggle to make that connection. And I think it really just speaks to how effective the propaganda campaign has been. I think many people um, they've done a very good job of creating this sort of comic book villain out of Julian Assange. And I think, and also the mass blackout, uh, mainstream press doesn't talk about it when they do. It's heavily spun. Uh, it's very skewed. Um, and so I think that many people are just completely in the dark about who Julian Assange actually is and what he actually did. And I think that that's why articles like yours are so important um, because there's just not enough coverage of it. And I think that, uh, uh, you know, getting that information out to people um, is really the key. So um, it, it, also in your article, you talk about, um, and I, I speak about this a lot too, and I think it's a really important point to make that um, it's not just about what we've already learned from WikiLeaks. Listen, WikiLeaks, let's be honest, is very clearly not operational at this point. Um, they have had to really focus the entirety of their uh, time and attention and effort on you know saving Julian Assange's life. So they are not currently an active publishing organization, but that doesn't even matter at this point. Everything that they have published thus far, we are going to be learning from that stuff for decades. There's going to be a story 20 years from now that we're going to be able to go back and look at WikiLeaks and be like, oh yeah, look, this here's this email where this person was talking about this thing and this is how it connects right. to that thing. And that's, to me, I think the service that WikiLeaks has provided, not just in the information that, um, uh, that we will be able to learn from for so long, but the way that they did it, it's just information. It's 100% verifiable and authenticated source documentation. It's right. just the truth it's in black and white. Too. Here it is. Yeah, here it is. Do with it yeah. what you will. Yeah, no, I think that's actually like a really good and like sort of underappreciated point because one of the things I don't know if people like in our country or around the world understand is, you know, some of these places where we've been at war for 10, 20 years, whatever, they're very big. We've been our operations there have have contributed trillions of dollars and tens of thousands of people and killed millions of people. So I think what the point that I'm trying to make is the granular the level of granularity in the data that um, somebody like Julian Assange helped publish and you know and reveal to the world so that we can understand at a granular level at a detailed level like what our governments are doing like that's worth digging into yeah I think your point is great Misty like for years to come we're going to be learning about some of this stuff and it most of it is going to be very uncomfortable for us to hear about but I do encourage people to read, you know, to read those documents to the extent that they can, to, you know, to read the indictment of Julian Assange and judge for yourself. Like, again, we have mainstream politicians now. We're not even like, it's not even like a radical thing anymore. We've got Democrats, you know, Jim McGovern, Thomas Massey. We've got Democrats and Republicans who've put out a letter saying, how could we possibly in the land of the free right prosecute a journalist under an espionage law that's over 100 years old so i just if you don't believe me it's politicians from your party and the other party it's um you know moderate people who have thought about this for a long time people in my you know my generation and and misties who have come to the conclusion that 
we've been misled for sure. And, um, you know, people like Assange who tried to bring the truth to the people have been isolated and targeted for abuse and torture. And that's, you know, that's not, that's not a, that's not a good thing for a free society. If we want to have one, if we want to have a free press, if we want to have freedom of speech and people who feel like they can say, you know, say what they want to write, what they want to publish, what they want to, it could be any of us. So that's why, you know, we'll all be dead. Assange will be dead. I'll be dead. We'll all be dead. But yeah, what kind of society do we want to have? Do we want to have a society where we can criticize government, corporations, whatever people in power at the top? Or do we want to have a society that criminalizes journalism like Eugene Debs and truth criminalizes the opportunity to bring the truth to the American people and the people around the world? I, that's an easy one for me. And again, like yeah. suppose suppose you say, you know, my thing is suppose you looked at it the other way and you said, well, I'm like a very moderate, reasonable person, and like Assange put a lot of people's lives at risk. How could you maintain that position and then go ahead and support our government, who's right. been responsible for millions of innocent deaths? Right now we're we are supporting a genocide right now. We've talked yes. about this in other times I've been on. That's obvious to everybody who has two brain cells to rub together. We're we're the key to an ongoing genocide and uh, systematic ethnic cleansing. You know, the the whole Gaza Strip has been people uh, just go, look. The Guardian had a the Guardian had a really cool infographic. I mean, this is not a radical publication. This is the Guardian. They had a really cool infographic about just how much of Gaza has been raised to the ground. Yeah. And I just encourage yes. people to go look at it. If you don't, if, you know, think about, think about if you're your family, your kids, maybe you don't care, but think about it that way. They yes. cry like and you also do. They we should feel point like out- you do. Yeah, we should point out that WikiLeaks also revealed uh, uh, some years ago that the uh, the steps that the United States took to protect Israel from uh, war crimes uh, uh, proceedings at the ICC. So uh, another yeah, thing that WikiLeaks brought decades. to our attention. Yeah, they've been doing yeah, it for a very long time. So, and we should decades. also point out too, um, because we say you know they're trying to criminalize journalism, and I said they're trying to criminalize truth. And the reason why I made it so uh, such a pointed statement on that is because WikiLeaks has a one hundred percent record of accuracy. If you can right. show me another journalistic operation that has a one they've never had to retract a single word that they have ever published right in the last two weeks the new york times has been wrong you know something like three quarters of the time and and especially you know to this point about the the ongoing the i i was tempted to call it a war but it's not a war the ongoing slaughter of of the palestinian people in the gaza strip the new york times I mean, have they said a thing that's true? I, and so, you know, people talk about um, in our culture, like people like to talk about liberal media, conservative media. I don't think that's the right way to think about it. It's no. just authoritarian establishment versus yes. everybody else. Like it's a tiny group of people in the elites. And I, I know we agree on this, but that's like what I think the, the the salient thing that people are missing is like, it's not left versus right. It's a tiny group of people in the establishment 
in in government and corporations who are controlling everything about what you think and how you feel about your country and they're not they're spoon feeding you small pieces of information most of which like the 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 New York Times reporting on the slaughter and the genocide in Gaza that is crazy they've literally yes. just made up story after story yes and Every the way that they present thing. information too, if you notice, it's always that Israelis um, uh, were killed, Palestinians died. Like the way that they're very passive in their language when it comes to Palestinian deaths, the way right. it's just, if you look at it, if you have any understanding of propaganda whatsoever, and you look at the mainstream media coverage of the situation in Gaza right now, it becomes abundantly clear that you are being fed a line of crap. And um, I think that also what you just said is it is a tiny, tiny, tiny group of people, these authoritarian cowards um, who are controlling everything on a grand scale. And that is why so much time and energy and resources is spent trying to convince you that your neighbor is your enemy that's right. why they want I you divided that. we're we're like no. in that way we like yes. like regular people and yeah you know th yeah like i think that's like the big thing that i wish whether you're on the left or you're on the right and you like trump or you like the squad it's like they're yeah they're very small and i just had another piece on this in counterpunch about the consolidation of the economy over the past you know 30 40 50 years within the growing inequality and consolidation of the political and economic system within an extraordinarily small group of people. So I would yeah. just encourage people like, yeah, band together with people, you know, and your neighbors and your local area, you know, band together with fellow workers and um, people who understand, you know, you as a person do not believe the legacy media, um, you know, no, turn it off. To, yeah. Turn it off, get off your phone, get off your, you know, TV, get into indie media, like nobody's going to, they're not going to tell you that the the United States indiscriminately murdered 4 million people within the past 20 years. Like, why would they tell you that? Right. So, um, so we need to be in a position where we're informed and we're like dialed in. And that's like what, you know, people like Assange Snowden, whoever it is, like they're trying to say that. And, by doing that, it's, um, you know, put their lives at risk. And so to me, when I look at that, I'm like safe. Most of you are too. I think that's pretty cool that they were like willing to go in like that. Yeah. So that's why I, I don't like think to I say, have that kind of courage. No, <laughs> I, I, I know do. I don't. I know yeah, I don't. I don't want, I don't want to do. be banished. You know, no, none of us, no. we don't want to be banished to another country. We don't want to have our like lives, like, you know, when was the last time that Julian Assange was outdoors? That was it's been was over a decade. Years well, ago. I mean, yeah. depending over, on if you count no, was, the times I mean, that he was in, like, in, in getting transit, shuffled out. Yeah, yeah, it's been he's over not a really, decade. I mean, even inside the Ecuadorian embassy, he was very limited to outdoor, even like sunlight, direct sunlight. Yeah. I mean, and now being in Belmarsh for, I mean, coming up on five years, which yeah. is insane to me that we're coming up on five years. It is. Yeah. 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 Realistically, he has not been outside for over for 10 over years. over a decade. Yeah. Yep. And most of us can't imagine that. And if you think mm -hmm. you can't imagine that, don't go outside for two weeks or something. You'll be like, 
one so day crazy. i mean i mean one day if i'm like day. not it's i get a little like okay i'm a little i'm a little antsy here you know what i mean like i right. I, I can't imagine 10 years of being and not only just restricted from going outside but being held in essentially at least for the past five years in essentially solitary confinement um right. and under the most horrific of circumstances being treated like a uh i mean just a scumbag he's being held in belmarsh they call it the guantanamo of the uk for a reason the only people is, there are the most yes. dangerous <laughs> people the yes. most the people who pose the greatest risk to society murderers rapists and they've Paris. got a journalist in there they have a journalist, a guy a with no history of violence, zero, zero whatsoever, an intellectual, a guy who uses words as his weapon, not as who they have decided to put. Yeah, it's insane. It is insane to me that that is where they have been holding him and that he hasn't been allowed to uh, be released on house arrest or some other form of, um, you know, whatever they wanted to do. It's just it blows my mind. And frankly, it blows my so many things about this case blow my mind. But the idea that the UK court system is even considering extraditing well, this guy to, to the I country. Think no, they the don't want to. The no. The way I look at the proceedings is not to give them more credit than they're than they deserve because they're a part of this, obviously. But like the way I look at it as like a political observer, a legal observer, whatever, I'm like, it's so clear that our allies, you know, are the people who are forced to fall in line with our like terrible policies. A lot of them often, particularly at the level of the individual, would love to do, you know, something else. But there's not it's there's not an opportunity if you're a. Uh, one of the you know one of the highest judges in England the UK whatever there's not a there's not a re, you know a plausible way to resist the no. you know the the imperial the imperial system i mean there's a connection between the united states and its its key allies we're seeing it right now with like you know the people pulling back funding from the UN's relief organization and um, and so on. It's like the United States is a pretty good grip, at least right now on, on its allies. And, um, sure. you know, I think that'll change in, in the coming decades. I think we're going to enter, as I've said in the show before, I think we're going to enter a world where it's much more multipolar, much more dynamic, a few different, you know, global, um, superpowers are in the tier just below that and no longer the United States like total hegemony over the ent entire world and I think as that system of U.S. hegemony ends within the next few decades you'll see like more and more frantic flailing by the yes. United States as they, yeah, no question know, about it. I think the United end. States is a wounded animal right now, backed into a corner. There's a lot right. of lashing out. There's a lot of desperation. You can feel it. I mean, yep. if you just pause and examine the in our lifetime, yes. If you just pause and examine the behavior of the United States currently, it is you can feel the desperation, you can feel the losing of control. Um, yeah. And that is what I think that's why there's been such a significant increase. Obviously, censorship has always been an issue. But I think in the past 10 or 15 years, we have seen a monumental increase in the desperate attempt and need to control the narrative. Yeah. And I think that that's exactly why. And Julian Assange said that, that I mean, I'm paraphrasing here because I don't have it right in front of me. But censorship is always cause for a celebration because that means that power 
is concerned about what people think and they're desperately right. trying to control it. And so I think that that's, yeah, totally. uh, if you can find a little bit of positivity, I think that that's always we good. And I think that- We just have to be that, diligent in, yes. in recognizing when they're, you know- when And relentless. Attacking us, yep. And we relentless. need to be relentless. Like they are relentless in their uh, uh, attempts to crush us. We need to be relentless in our fight against that. And I think that um, standing up for Julian Assange is certainly a great way to do that. Um, uh, so uh, obviously court case, February 20th and 21st in London. London. If you're in London, please make it out. Um, you can also contact if you're in the United States, please contact your house representatives and tell them to sponsor um, or sign yeah, on to noise. House Resolution 934. Um, it's a piece of bipartisan legislation. If you would have told me four years ago that there would be bipartisan legislation to support Julian Assange, I would have not Hard believed you. Imagine. And here we are. Yeah, uh, yeah here we are. Um, so uh, definitely whatever you can do, make phone calls, send emails, uh, share David's article, um, whatever you can do to get the word out. I think that uh, getting past those algorithms and the censorship and getting the information out is obviously the first part of the battle. So, uh, David, thank you for writing this piece. Thank you for coming on the show to discuss it. Obviously, you're welcome back anytime. I appreciate you. Uh, you know, you're one of my favorite people to talk to. So, so uh, thank you very thank much you. for that. Um, and I will be back tomorrow with Shanda Masta. As Julian Assange says, learn, challenge, act now. And don't go anywhere. Timothy Shea is right after this right here on today's News Talk.